Is it really hot? Uh, if, if you turn that off, do you mind? The noise uh, really bothers me. <laughs> I can't think when it's noisy. So when I go to library, if people talk, I can't study there. Yeah. So if it is fine uh, for now, uh, maybe you can open the window a bit uh, better. Uh, yesterday, uh, we reflected that uh, I'm not just passive recipient or victim to just live a life as a circumstance, my circumstances dictate. I'm the agent of making a, an intentional decision for my life. The story is not just being written, but I am also, in a way, with the help of God, the author of the story, of my unique story that my life will write. And when we, that's why every single thing that is happening in your life, every single event, every single emotion that you feel, uh, they are not just random things or meaningless things. I believe that they gather up together to create a stream of river. And in that way, we see uh, the direction of our life. The purpose of our, yesterday after Lila came to me and asked me a question. Uh, Lila, you're a newbie, uh, a new person, but you're always welcome to ask questions. So she felt awkward to, uh, so uh, can you stand up for a moment? Yeah, here's Lila, he's a new one. Uh, Linda is from Ottawa, but Lila is from London. And we have Eunjung uh, 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 back there. Uh, she's from Korea, actually. Can you say? Uh, I mean, Eunjung grew up uh, here, uh, uh, and she uh, went to U of T, uh, and also she studied uh, music. She's a beautiful singer. Now she's uh, in, in Korea. Uh, so, now... What was I saying? <laughs> okay, yeah. She asked me about uh, 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 purpose and meaning of life. Are they the same thing? Uh, a very, very good question. Uh, so I said, purpose is something that is a part of meaning of life. It's not about everything. So as you live your life, then uh, clearly you see the direction of your life, and then you see the kind of end. So that's a purpose, the end. So, so direction is set. So you're not uh, choosing arbitrarily the purpose. Okay, this is my purpose of my life. I'm going to live like this. No, that's not what you 
you do. As you see, you, uh, you see your purpose of life being unraveled uh, to you. So, so uh, you see and you follow it. Uh, so uh, she said, in the, uh, then in, in, the, in the middle of it, we just live it? No, we don't just live it. We live it, but you open your eyes, so see every single detail uh, that is happening in your life, and then you see how they, that work together uh, to uh, build. Uh, yesterday, <clears throat> I was uh, going to, going to dr- drive up here, because on Sunday, I have a, uh, uh, tomorrow I have to go back uh, down to church to uh, uh, preach. So I was going to uh, drive up, uh, but I was so tired. And, and I, these days, you know, as you get older, over 50, you tend to get, you know, fall asleep behind the wheel. So I was kind of scared, and then uh, Jane uh, kindly offered it. You know, Moksani, why don't you just uh, uh, come up here, and then uh, you can go down, and Grace can take um, uh, other people's, uh, uh, you know, ride and all that. So I came up. And so driving, and then she, she asked me, okay, for, uh, uh, 404, uh, we were on the express. Uh, does this take to uh, uh, 404 or whatever? So I said, okay, yeah, both the collector and the express, they both take uh, 404, so you can just stay here, and then uh, you don't have to um, uh, And I, I kind of fell asleep, right? Uh, and then after a while, I felt a little strange. And I looked, at, looked out and saw Kennedy. Where are we? <laughs> she said, oh, but, 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 but you don't have to, you, you said you don't have to take 404. He just go <laughs> Oh, she misunderstood me. Oh, Kennedy? Oh, no. <laughs> so, okay, now we got to go out and you know, when we uh, uh, got off at Markham. It's, it's like that, life. You know, if you don't, I mean, it's your option. You don't need to think about it. Day by day, you can just live. And it, without knowing where you're going, if life is journey, maybe you may end up with a place where you don't want to be, ultimately. So it is very important that you need to pay attention to what is going on in your life in a if it is daily or weekly or monthly or yearly, you need to think about where you are going and then set the pattern instead of letting the circumstances dictate and guide you to where you don't want to go. That's, that's what I'm saying. You don't want circumstances to take you where you don't want to go. You want to go where you want to go. That's uh, what uh, we need to do. You know, some people after living so many years and they tell me that, you know, Moksanim, I feel like I'm being robbed of my life. You know, after so many years, they tell me, I feel like I'm robbed of my life. You don't want to do that. You want to make intentional choice uh, every moment. So that's what uh, uh, we have been talking about yesterday. It's not some meaning of life. It's not something outside of you, out there somewhere. So I go and find it. Meaning of life is shaped in me. It's not something other people can give to me. If you come to me and, Moksanim, what is my meaning of life? Okay, this is your meaning of life. Live it like this. Ethically wrong 
that is ethically wrong. If I do that, no matter how powerful I may be, how spiritual I may be, that's ethically wrong to do so. But I see that happening in lots of uh, uh, places. And even my, my, to my kids, I cannot say that this is your meaning of life. You got to do this. I can't do that. Oh, you got to be a doctor or you got to be a lawyer. Who said that's the meaning of life for that person? I don't think even parents don't have that right to do so with their children. It is something that is being made, being shaped, and being formed. And it is important that you understand it. You know it. Over the years, it will be slowly revealing itself to you. And yesterday, uh, so uh, this uh, um, meaning of life, uh, life itself has a pattern of a story. And then we examined uh, uh, some stories in the Bible. Bible never defines what life is. I'm really glad that Bible never defined life. Because once you define something, that's the end. Closure. It's closed. But Bible never defined. Life is not something that you can close it. Life is something, until you die, it continuously evolves. And then uh, there's a process continuously. It's, uh, uh, it unravels itself. So Bible talks about life in a story form. Because story continues. So I think this Bible is so profound. That's why I love Bible. I love Bible. Because it has so much wisdom, so much secret, so much truth in it. So we examine three stories and then we realize that they're all different stories. Abraham's story is radically different from Jacob's story. And Jacob's story is radically different from Joseph's story. So each person has unique story and a unique life. All your, of your stories are unique stories. And I hope that all you... Uh, last, uh, last night I heard that uh, you had a good sharing. Uh, some of you uh, stayed up here until 1.30 and ate up four boxes ramen. And then we got only six boxes left now. <laughs> Hurry up. <laughs> and I hope that this community uh, uh, is a place where we all come and share our life. Without having to be so religious. Without having to express that you are so religious, so I'm sharing all this. You know, that's a pseudo community. I want real community. Sharing of your shattered experience. Broken experiences. Just be who you are. If you're struggling with God, that's fine. If you're struggling with your faith, that's alright. That's all part of the process. You don't need to pretend to be somebody to be able to share. We all, if we can all share your stories, then together we can build an authentic community. And that authentic community will have powerful influence on you and on your children. This morning I had a, uh, a little time to talk with John Chang. And I said, <clears throat> you know, first generation community, 
that they built. I mean, uh, I love first generation and all that, but I'm not very uh, proud of the community that they built. I'm not 100% really satisfied with the community they built because the second generation cannot take on. Somehow, they built their own very unique special community for themselves. It is not something the second generation can take on. But our church is a unique because you are the pioneer. I don't see many second generation communities around, even in Toronto or in North America. I went down to uh, Hawaii and met all the second generation ministers, and, uh, but there, is not really, there are not many second generation communities. You are the pioneers. You are building up a community. I hope that you build authentic community, not pseudo community where everybody is welcome and everybody can share their stories. Then you'll be powerful and you will help your children. Once you build it, they can take on. Build some kind of community where your children can also uh, take on. Anyway, now, these stories, every one of you has a different story and uh, in the Bible there are many different stories. But I discovered that there is one common thread. Is there any pen? <laughs> Sorry. There's one common thread that I found in all these stories. Your stories, Bible stories, and one common thread is all our stories move from That's what I discovered. That's what I found. All our stories move from bondage to freedom. Abraham's story, Jacob's story, Joseph's story, they all move from bondage to freedom. From the bondage of fear to the freedom of courage. Bondage of hatred to the freedom of love and forgiveness. From the bondage of greed to the freedom of self-sacrifices. Our stories... Our stories also move from bondage to freedom with the help of God's grace. But another thing that I discovered was that this is a movement of the story, but in between, there is suffering. The story, of, story from bondage to freedom is not free ride. To move from bondage to freedom, you have to go through the reality of suffering. For example, Israelites, they were in where? Egypt. And then Moses led them out of Egypt. Egypt represented what? Bondage. There were slaves there. They were moving out of bondage to promised land. That's an exodus. To move from 
Egypt to the promised land in between what was there? Wilderness. There was, there was wilderness. In other words, you will all go through time of wilderness in your life. You cannot just enter into the promised land. I, I'm going to Israel this uh, uh, fall, uh, Palestine, Israel, but I heard that it takes only like a week or 10 days to go from Israel, I mean Egypt, to uh, promised land. But how long did it take? 40 years. 40 years of suffering. So, if you think that you can have faith just like that, no. Faith is something that is resulted after many, many years of disappointments, hardships, confusion, and all these things you go through, and after that, you enter into the world of faith. If you just grab it, it may be pseudo-faith. Be careful with that kind of faith. With pseudo-faith, be careful. Because pseudo-faith will never liberate you. Pseudo-faith will never take you to the promised land. It has to be real faith. And the real faith, always in that life, there is suffering. Suffering is indispensable then to find a meaning of life. Suffering, you don't need to choose. Okay, then should I choose always? Do I have to choose suffering? No, you don't need to choose because without your choice, suffering will come to you. You are inescapable from suffering. The most common experience of human beings is not happiness, unfortunately, but suffering. Universal experience of human beings is suffering. Each family has its own suffering. Every person, regardless of age, experiences some kind of suffering they go through. So when you describe human beings, if you take out suffering, then you are not giving full picture of human beings are like, what human beings truly are like. To be fully human is to experience suffering. In Christianity, we believe that God became a human being, and we call it incarnation. When God decided to become a human being, what was the one character, uh, one character that uh, God chose? That character is suffering. Cross is a symbol of that. Jesus Christ took the suffering as the face of human being. So Mark, Gospel Mark describes the, the best. In Gospel Mark, in Gospel Mark, you find Jesus as the suffering servant. 
So in Mark, Jesus kept emphasizing that I'm going to have to suffer. You know, every time he gathers the disciples, I'm going to have to uh, suffer, and then uh, all that. And then they all didn't like it. Oh, no, don't do that. You know, they were interested in glory. They were interested in uh, power. But uh, no, suffering, don't talk about it. But every time Jesus uh, performed miracle, he said, I have to uh, be delivered, and I will suffer, and then and all that. Uh, they didn't like it. And then uh, uh, Jesus asked Peter, who do people say that I am? Oh, Elijah and all that stuff. And then asked Peter, who do you say that I am? And Peter said, you are the Christ, the son of the living God. He answered it right. And after that, he said, the son of God has to suffer and all that. And Peter said, no, 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 no. When you look at the Bible, very interesting. Peter used the word rebuke. Peter rebuked Jesus. Don't say things like that. Right now the atmosphere is so good. Just lead them and then uh, let's take over the Romans. Everybody's excited about your message. Everybody's excited about you. So let's go. But Jesus, I have to suffer. Don't say that wimpy stuff. You know? You're not going to suffer. You're, not going, you're going to win. And Jesus Satan, get behind me. So he got really rebuked by Jesus. Satan, get behind me. See, Jesus could not do his ministry without suffering. Because suffering is a very core element of what human being is like. Jesus Christ did not see suffering as a result of sin. Many times we think that suffering is a result of sin. But Jesus Christ had a different perspective on suffering. When he was uh, walking with the disciples, and they met a born blind man. And then uh, disciples asked, what question? What did they ask? What did they ask? Whose sin is this? Is it his sin or his parents' sin? Jesus said, no one sin. This is to glorify God. Glorifying God, ultimately, he healed the man. Glorifying God means from bondage to freedom. From the bondage of blindness to the freedom of being able to see. Jesus Christ did not see suffering Necessarily, as a result of I'm, uh, as a result of sin. Actually, uh, Douglas John Hall, uh, who's a Canadian uh, theologian who's uh, teaching in Montreal, McGill, uh, he said there were at least four different kinds of suffering right from the beginning in creation. First, the suffering of loneliness God created all things and he said what did he say it is good but when he saw Adam what did he say it is not good for him to be alone so from the beginning there was evidence of suffering of loneliness second 
the suffering of one's own limitations. They all had to live with their own limitations. You know, one's experiencing one's limitation is hard to bear. We all struggle with that. We're at the job, whatever we do, especially men uh, at the golf course, you experience a lot of limitations. <laughs> Go a lot. You will learn about life. <laughs> Suffer. Why do you pay to suffer? <laughs> Interesting paradox. <laughs> Third, the suffering of temptation. From the serpent, the first human beings experienced the suffering of temptation. And Jesus also experienced the suffering of temptation. And fourth, the suffering of fear. As a matter of fact, the first word human beings uh, spoke to God was a message of fear. This is what he said. I heard the sound of you in the garden. Is it coming out? Yeah, I heard the sound of you in the garden and I was afraid. That's first phrase human beings ever spoke to God and they are expressing their fear. So all these fears were there. Okay, let me tell you. A little bit tired, right? Okay, what are four? First, loneliness. Two, Limitations, three. Temptation, four. Fear. Wow, you're good. <laughs> oh, it's <a laughs> oh, it's there. <laughs> I need coffee. Where's the coffee? <laughs> so, the... Suffering has been always human, with human beings right from the beginning until now. So when suffering comes to you, don't treat them as though an unexpected or uninvited guest came to you. Because suffering will inevitably come to you. There are a lot of people suffering around me. Suffering from uh, financial problems. I mean, a lot of people come to me and uh, tell me about their suffering. Uh, and some people have real problem with uh, uh, children. Uh, the kind of uh, tough life they, their children uh, go through. Uh, suffering from illness. He's only two years older than me. And he just got uh, lung cancer. And so he's getting chemotherapy right now. Suffering from political oppression, from broken relationships, from one's own lack of uh, capability, limitations, and from difficult problems, and from one's own mistakes, the gravest sin whose result cannot be undone. 
So from all these things, people suffer. If you are trying to achieve happiness without considering seriously the reality of suffering, it won't be true happiness. There's a movie called uh, Shadowlands. How many people saw that? Good, yeah. Uh, in that shadow, Shadowlands, uh, Shadowlands uh, uh, described the life of C.S. Lewis. You know C.S. Lewis. Uh, he was an atheist uh, at first. Uh, he was a professor at Oxford University, and uh, but uh, after he was converted, he wrote many good Christian uh, books. So, so some of you uh, probably uh, know some of his books. Uh, what was uh, his book? Uh, you know, Mere Christianity. Oh, Narnia is a, a children's story. You read, okay. That's what comes to you. <laughs> okay. <laughs> and uh, mere Christianity. <laughs> and uh, all uh, 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 the good books that he wrote. And uh, he uh, married Joy Gresham. Uh, Joy uh, was a divorcee uh, from the uh, United States. And uh, she came to London and, and married him. All his life, he was just a scholar living in an ivory tower. But soon after marriage, uh, they discovered that she had a cancer. And in the late age, uh, they didn't. Uh, 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 they were married for many years, just few years. While taking care of her, he experienced what it meant to truly love somebody. But at the same time, he also experienced how painful that is to love somebody. Once, uh, I mean, uh, the, the, the cancer really got worse, so once they went to their favorite spot in Herefordshire in uh, England, beautiful uh, uh, rural area. And Lewis really enjoyed the moment there. And this is what he said to Joy, his wife. This is my kind of happiness. When the present moment is entirely self-contained, untarnished by any fleeting thought of what has gone before or what may come later. He really enjoyed that moment. Then Joy, his wife, gently rebuked him, saying, that's only temporal isolationism. The happiness cannot be genuine if it involves shutting off the past or the future. What is yet to come in the future infuses the very texture of what is now experienced. The pain, then, is part of this happiness now. That's the deal. And she died. Like, happiness cannot be contained in one good moment. That's temporal isolationism. 
At, after her funeral, Louis said, A child chooses safety. But a grown person, I used uh, inclusive language, he said, a grown man chooses suffering. The pain is part of the happiness. Now I find I can live with the pain after all. That's the deal. Pain is part of happiness. Pain is part of human life. Jesus came to this world not to get rid of suffering or pain. Jesus did not come to this world to give us a painkiller. But I see many people try to use Christian faith only as a painkiller. Whenever they have suffering, they go to church and then get comforted just for the moment. And then they need stronger and stronger dosage of that painkiller. That's why Karl Marx said, religion is opium. Jesus Christ did not come to take us out of the world of suffering. We can see that in Jesus' last prayer. This was Jesus' last prayer. I'm not asking you to take them out of the world, but I ask you to protect them from the evil one. Jesus did not come to take us out of the world but to protect us from the evil one. Jesus did not say, my children, since I'm with you, you have no pain anymore. Jesus didn't say that. Jesus said, rather, in the world, you may have tribulation. Tribulation is worse suffering. But he said, in the world, you will have tribulation, but be of good cheer. Be of good cheer meaning have courage. You will have suffering, but have courage. But we human beings are not courageous when it comes to suffering. We are not courageous when we face our suffering. We try our best to avoid suffering as much as possible. And if the suffering is inevitable, we wish that that suffering would go away as soon as possible. That's all we want. We feel so helpless and powerless when it comes to our suffering. We only fear our suffering. We are only thinking of running away from our own suffering. And our life becomes so passive and meaningless. Also, when the suffering comes, not only we try to avoid it, but try to find a scapegoat. Someone to blame. Don't we do that? 
When we go through suffering, oh, if my parents, you know, send me to this university or that university, or if they, if I didn't meet that oh, woman or that man, <laughs> oh, if I didn't. <laughs> so when suffering comes, we, you know, always tend to blame somebody. When Japanese cars first came to the United States, many American motor factories had to close their uh, doors. There was a Chrysler factory in Detroit that had to be shut down. Ronald Evans, he was supervisor at one of those factories and got laid off. On June 19, 1982, Vincent Chin had a bachelor party, and on the way home, he dropped by at McDonald. And Ronald Evans and his stepson approached Vincent, and the stepson grabbed him from behind, and Ronald beat Vincent to death with a baseball bat. And he said, because of you, Jap, we lost our job. Vincent was not even Japanese. He was Chinese. Chin. It's not Japanese last name. <laughs> Sometimes we try to find somebody to blame for our suffering. We are not bold and courageous with our suffering. So, one, we run into fantasy. Two, we blame somebody three none of that works then we fall into despair and bitterness that's what we do we are not good we are not of good cheer the worst feeling of suffering you know what that is the worst feeling of suffering The worst of all the suffering is the feeling that God has abandoned you. That's the worst feeling of suffering. All other suffering, yeah, we can handle, but you feel that God does not love you anymore. God has abandoned you. That is the worst feeling of suffering. That's why Jesus Christ experienced the worst feeling of suffering. On the cross, what did he say? My God, my God, why have you forsaken me? That's the worst feeling of suffering. And our Lord Jesus Christ experienced that. In talking about, uh, I mean, Bible, I said Bible is a story. And then to talk about suffering, Bible gives us another story. And that story is the story of who? Job. Job. Job is the classic example of suffering. But I believe that there is a message that God wants to get across through, through the story of life of Job. Job, uh, some of you, uh, you probably know, but uh, how many 
never heard of Job. None? Huh? Huh? Have. Have you ever heard Job in the Bible? Okay. You, you know that, right? Good. I mean, this course, you don't need, uh, there's no prerequisite <laughs> for reading Bible and knowing Bible. <laughs> okay. The Job lived all his life with so much of God's blessings. He had many children, and they were all good, and he was rich and healthy, and even he was righteous before God. He was almost ideal person. People wish that that was the end of Job's life. And he lived happily ever after. But uh, that's not the story of the Bible. That's a story of fables. You know? Is it fable? Huh? Fable? Don't want. Fairy tale, fairy tale, yeah, okay. Thanks. It's, a, it's a story of fairy tale, but Bible story doesn't end in, in that way. He didn't live happily ever after. That was not the case. The Satan challenged God. Here, the Satan is not the devil. Satan does not refer to the devil. It means DA or prosecutor. Uh, it says the Satan. So, uh, uh, DA or prosecutor. The, the Satan challenged God saying that Job is loyal to you, not for no reason. The reason he's loyal to you is because in Job's mind, implicitly, he believes that his loyalty will guarantee his blessings. It is Job's careful calculation, he said. The Satan's challenge is that human beings worship God for what they receive from God, not for who you are. It's not pure love between God and human beings. The reason human beings are good is because they are scared of God's punishment or because they are expecting God's reward. That's all. All they want is either avoid your punishment or expecting your reward. That's why they worship you. Not for who you simply are. That's the challenge. So this whole story of Job is challenged to the traditional view of life. What is traditional view of life? I think the writer of Job is a radical person. He turned upside down the traditional logic that God blesses those who are good to him. Wow. It's amazing. That's how most people think. God blesses those who are good to him. And Job, the story of Job, challenges that. Does it? Job, even though he was good, experienced tremendous suffering. You know, it is hard to accept the story of Job. And the message of Job, even though it is in the Bible, you wish that it never happened to you. 
You wish that the Satan never tells God that these things happen to me. We don't want that kind of tragedy that happened to Job to happen to us. When bad things happen, we still wonder whether we did anything wrong. Once uh, uh, Helen came to me and then uh, Peter went golfing on Sunday and he did really bad. See, if you miss the church, that's what happens. <laughs> Don't go play on Sunday. <laughs> Missing worship service. Go after. <laughs> we still think that when bad things happen, automatically we think that, oh, there must be something wrong I did. Or somebody did. That's why we feel guilty. When something, suffering happens to us, we feel guilty. Harold Kushner uh, talks about a family in his book, When Bad Things Happen to Good People. It's a pretty good book. If you haven't read it, very, very old book, but it's a pretty good book uh, if you want to read it. A 19-year-old girl, girl in his synagogue, he is a rabbi, um, suddenly collapsed at her school. So the doctor came, but by the time the parents arrived, she already died. She's only 19-year-old. Sad. You know, after that, oh, not, where, where were you? Were you here all this time? Oh, I was looking for Peter. Where's Peter? <laughs> okay. <laughs> you weren't here, right? Okay. Yeah. 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 <laughs> When I talk about you, you're in the washroom. <laughs> so 19-year-old girl, uh, girl, she died. And after uh, uh, that funeral, the, the parents came uh, to Harold and said, Rabbi, at the last Yom Kippur, we didn't fast. They were saying that if they fasted, at the last Yom Kippur, his daughter, their daughter, would have survived. But nothing like that would have happened to her if they fasted at last Yom Kippur. The book of Job challenges the naive idea that if I'm good, bad things will never happen to me. That's a fantasy. Morality and religion can be also another form of fantasy. People who go through suffering can create fantasy because it's so hard to bear. So they create fantasy. And this is what Nietzsche said. The true meaning of life is too terrible for us to cope with, which is why we need our consoling illusions if we are to carry on. 
Bible shatters all these fantasies. It is people who make a fantasies from the Bible, but the Bible shatters all kinds of fantasies. All of Job's fantasies were shattered. The worst of all Job's suffering, what did I say? The worst of all suffering is what? To feel that God has abandoned you. And Job, thank you. I needed that. <laughs> so we'll take two minute break. Okay? Two minute break. Uh, this is Job's confession. He said, For the arrows of the Almighty are in me. My spirit drinks their poison. The terrors of God are arrayed against me. This is what Job said. He felt that not only he was abandoned by God, not only God was not on his side, but God attacked him. Another place. If I sin... What do I do to you? You watcher of humanity, why have you made me your target? Why have I become a bur burden to you? Isn't it really cool? The Bible, they're not just talking about good things. You don't know, like a, not even 10% of the, what Bible really says. This is real confession of a human being. He feels that God is not on his side. God had abandoned him. And not only abandoned him, he made him as his target. That's, as I said, is the worst feeling of suffering. All kinds of suffering is fine. But that feeling that God is not on my side, that is the worst feeling. You know, the real courage... I said, when it comes to suffering, people are not courageous. But real courage is when we suffer and when we lost everything, we still accept that God is on my side. That is real courage. When you lost everything, when you failed everything, even then, you believe that God is on your side. That's courage. That's hard to accept. When suffering comes, that's really hard to accept. In Romans 8, St. Paul said this. If, is there. If God is for us, who is against us? If God is for us, who is against us? In other words, St. Paul experienced in the most difficult suffering time, he felt that God was for him. God was on his side. He said, who will be against me? That's what he's saying. If God is for me, who is against me? That's courage for me. 
And then, a little bit later, he said, nothing can separate us from the love of God. Even death cannot separate us from the love of God. It was difficult for Job to accept this. You know, all his friends, sometimes, you know, friends are limited. All friends came to Job to console him, to help him. But what they actually did was they threw Job into deeper despair by saying that continuously that you must have done something wrong. These kind of things doesn't happen to anyone if you didn't do anything wrong. They throw him into deeper despair by saying that. So when you meet friends, when you counsel somebody, be careful. Instead of helping them, you might throw them into deeper despair. What are they implying? They are implying that, no, 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 God is not on your side. Don't misunderstand. God is not on your side. They want to continuously assure Job that God is not on your side. Martin Buber, a Jewish theologian, said, When we pray, we don't ask God for anything. We simply ask God for God. We invite God into our lives. I think that's a best prayer. We simply ask God to be on my side. We simply ask God to be with me. Don't ask for anything. Just ask God to be with you and on your side. When we suffer, the only prayer we need is that God is on my side. That's why Jesus said before he left the world, I'll be with you forever. Jesus promised that he will be with us forever. In other words, in all circumstances, I'll be on your side. You are my child. You are my child. Would you ever give up your children because they are the worst criminal? Would you do that? Would you do that? And Jesus saying, you are, not, you are my child. I'll never abandon you. When you read Prodigal Son, when the son left, I mean, you can't do anything about it. When they left, when they leave, they leave. But you always wait. You always wait. You never forget them. You never abandon them. You know, I found something wonderful about suffering. When the suffering comes to us, it strikes us at the very core of our existence. You know, do you see this bruise? <laughs> I wish. Talk of war <laughs> on Sunday. 
just a little bit I did. Like, yeah, this kind of bruise is nothing, right? Pain on the part of your body is all right. But when the suffering hits the core of your existence, it hurts. When it takes away your dignity and everything that you believe, and when it takes away, then it hurts. Pain hurts. That is real hurting. This is not hurting. You know? This is not even pain. That is real pain. When suffering hits us, it hits us every aspect of our lives. Because it hits the core, it hits every aspect of our lives. But I discovered there's one more thing that suffering hits. Do you know what that is? Suffering hits the compassion of God. When it hits us at the very core, it also hits compassion of God. And when the compassion of God is hit by our suffering, the grace is released. You know, it's like uh, running. You know, I enjoy running these days. Uh, if you run, uh, in the beginning it's really hard. But after a while, it hits something and then some good hormone is released. And you feel good after that. In the same way, when suffering hits us, it hits us hard and at, at the very core. But also it hits God's compassion. And God's compassion is hit. The grace of God is released. You know the word compassion. What is compassion? Stephanie, what is compassion? Huh? Huh? Daya, what is compassion? Huh? Oh, yeah. You <laughs> cheaters. <laughs> I should not have given you that. The effects doesn't come. Suffering, I mean, compassion is love, right? But that word is combination of compassion. Come is together. Passion is suffering. Passion of Jesus Christ, that's the suffering of Jesus Christ. So, compassion, the word compassion is special love. It's not just romantic love, it is suffering love. So I translate that as suffering love. Compassion, can you? Go? Yeah, compassion is suffering love. It's a very, very special love. When suffering hits us, it hits God's compassion. And when God's compassion is hit, then grace of God is released. We don't always experience this God's suffering love. When we go through suffering, you realize all of a sudden, it's there. I never knew this grace of God. But when you go through suffering, you find that it's there. Suffering takes away everything from us, but it makes God's grace and compassion available to us. When we have this compassion, when we experience this compassion, then you can have compassion for others. When you don't experience this compassion, you cannot have compassion for others. 
But when you go through suffering and experience this grace and experience God's compassion, then you can identify with others' suffering. Then you become a compassionate person. Without compassion, I think every human being will be hardened. So hardened, nothing will break them. So suffering does something very good. It makes us weak, but at the same time, it makes us compassionate. We can overcome our self-centeredness and understand others' suffering. Understand others' suffering. I think Job's friends did not understand Job's suffering. Understanding and comprehension are two different things. The word comprehend comes from uh, prehender, a Latin verb. It means grasp, seize. Wrapping out mind around something so as to understand it. Like you grab it. So when you say, oh, now I grasp what you're saying. It's like grasping it. Comprehending is to put things in your grasp and know. That kind of understanding is the understanding of Job's friends. With their limited knowledge, they tried to comprehend what happened to Job, but they were all wrong. So at the end, they are punished by God. Not punished, but rebuked by God. Robert Browning's poem, Andreas del Sarto, says, A man's reach should exceed his grasp, or what's heaven for? Our reach should exceed our grasp. Your life is not, not, is not in your grasp. And suffering tells us that. How can we understand God's creation by grasping it? I think Michelangelo is a genius. Uh, he does a few other things with other pictures too, too. But with this picture, look at that. Hands, Adam and God. Their fingers don't meet. Their hands is not grasping it. It is kind of reaching out. Reaching out. But as you look at carefully, who's more urgent in reaching out? I think God. God is much more urgent in reaching out. So our life is like, it's not grasping. We try to grasp and, and put it into our control. But it's reaching out. That is true understanding. Sometimes suffering is hard to grasp, hard to understand. But there is God's compassion working beyond our comprehension. Job's conclusion comes at chapter 38. In chapter 38, as you might expect, God, uh, maybe you, you think that God will just give answer. Okay, this is my answer. One, two, three, four. No. This is what God said. It's not in the thing, right? I didn't print it because it's so long. Uh, but a few, I will read it for you. Just enjoy it. Uh, uh, yeah, it's in there? Okay. Then the Lord answered Job out of the whirlwind. 
Who is this that darkness counsel by words without knowledge? Gird up your loins like a man. I will question you and you will declare to me. Where were you when I laid the foundation of the earth? Tell me if you have understanding. Who determined these measurements? Surely you, surely you know. Or who have stretched the line upon it? On what were its bases sunk? Or who laid its cornerstone? Or who shut in the sea with doors? When it burst out from the womb, when I made the clouds its garment, and the thick darkness its swelling band, and prescribed bounds for it, and set bars and doors, and said, Thus far shall you come, and no farther. And here shall your proud waves be stopped. Have you entered into the springs of the sea or walked in the recesses of the deep? Have the gates of death been revealed to you or have you seen the gates of deep darkness? Have you comprehend the, the expanse of the earth? Declare if you know all this. Who has cut a channel for the torrents of rain and the way for the thunderbolt to bring a rain on the land where no one lives, on the desert which is empty of human life, to satisfy the waste and desolate land and to make the ground put forth grass? Has the rain father? Or who has begotten the drops of dew from whose womb? Did the ice come forth? And who has given birth to the hoarse frost of heaven? The waters become hard like stone, and the face of the deep is frozen. <laughs> God gives that as an answer. What? <laughs> what? What are you talking about? I went through so much, and it was, was rain and all that stuff. <laughs> what is saying? I think there's wisdom there. Like, God brings Job out. And you see the whole world that I've created. You see it? Do you understand it? Have you gone into the foundation of the earth? Have you gone down to the ocean? Do you know all that? He shows that. You know, when we go through suffering, what do we do? We become withdrawn into our own small world. Why these things happen to me? Why to me, not to her or to him? Me, me, me. We become so self-centered. We are kind of locked up in our small world and we cannot even move. At the end, suffering paralyzes us. God brings Job out of that small world. Opens the world for him. See. Now you stand tall before the world. This is what I created. And you, I will never abandon as I take care of this expense, gigantic universe, I will take care of you. There's interesting word in Hebrew. It is called Hinanu. Hinanu is here we are. When you use I, here I am. 
Hine Ni is here I am. Hine Nu is here we are. When God, uh, when uh, God called Abraham, Abraham said, Hine Nu, Hine Ni, here I am. When Samuel was called fourth time, and then when God calls, Samuel goes and Hine Ni, here I am. When Isaiah experienced God's presence in the temple, and then he said, "All, oh, I mean, uh, uh, woe to me. I'm a man of unclean lips, and I saw the living God. And then God sent charcoal, and then he cleansed his lips. And then, and after that, he said, God said, whom shall I send? And then Isaiah said, Hineni, send me. Here I am, send me. That Hineni. I think that's the answer for our suffering. When God's grace hits us, now, instead of running away into our own small world, we come out. And God brings us out. And then, let us stand. And stand tall. Here I am. Nothing will destroy me. Nothing in this world can destroy me. Because... God is on my side. Hine ni spirituality. Hine nu spirituality. No matter how much suffering I may go through, I, I will stand tall. I will not be scared. I will not run away into fantasy. I will not run away into our own small world. I will stand tall. No matter how difficult our suffering may be, God will be with you. In the world, you may have tribulation, but be of good cheer. Have courage and stand tall. Come out. Don't lock yourself in that small world where you are suffering and licking your wounds by licking wounds in that small world will not help knowing that God is on your side come out and stand tall God will move you into the next stage of your life alright any question? then uh, maybe uh, this morning or we'll sing once more about that uh, cover me what is that still, still yeah, okay <laughs>